morning and welcome to Wave Makers on WMNF. Um, weekly conversations with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation, you can call us at 813-239-9663 and John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. If you were listening to Sean Canan's show just now, you know that this is the last day to vote in Florida. So today's wavemaker is you. In a democracy, the most effective way to make a change is also the simplest, vote. Jane and I have spent the past few weeks talking to voters in Tampa about the crucial midterm elections. We will listen to some of those voices today, and we want to hear from you. What is motivating you to vote? What has inspired you to vote in the past? Do you remember the first time you voted? And if you aren't voting this year, tell us why. What's holding you back? And you can call 813-239-9663 or send an email to us at dj at wmnf.org and let us know what motivated you to vote, what's motivating you to vote this year. And tell us about a meaningful voting experience that you might have had. I know for me, one of my most meaningful experiences was voting with my daughter for the first time when she voted. Um, in some states, Election Day is a holiday, giving people more time to vote. Florida has taken a different approach, turning election day into election season with the flexibility of no excuse mail voting, in-person early voting, including weekends, and traditional voting in precincts on the second Tuesday of November. That would be today. Turnout in midterm elections is traditionally lower than presidential election years, but officials in the Tampa Bay area have expressed disappointment in the early and mail voting. And I think we have some information about turnout right now, Tom. It's uh, looking like a pretty big Republican surge so far. Uh, even in Hillsborough County, you're seeing more Republicans voting than Democrats. So a Republican surge is what we're seeing. You're looking just statewide, by the way. Five hundred As of 10, 10 a.m., 541,000 more Republicans have voted than Democrats. And even in Hillsborough County, where you have more registered Democrats than Republicans by far and has been a Democratic county for years, Republicans are, have a 3,600-vote edge over Democrats. And a 3,600-vote uh, edge can certainly make a difference in any election. Um, as Tom mentioned, voting is fundamental to a functioning democracy. And in the past few years, we've heard a lot of talk about the significance of this election, which is the first since the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Uh, many of the voters that we spoke to said they're concerned about what they see as threats to our democracy and believe this election is a referendum on the future governance of our country. Uh, let's hear from one of those voters right now. My name is Randy Campbell. I live in Tampa, Florida, and I'm a native Floridian. Uh, I've, what motivated me to vote this year is uh, we, need, we need to keep our democracy sacred and, uh, and free, uh, despite what uh, some other people might call freedom. I have a different view of that. Uh, my most significant voting experience would probably be voting for Obama the first time. Mm -hmm. 
uh, have a you know the first black uh, president of the United States. That that should have been a leap for our country. Unfortunately, it hasn't turned out to be the, the leap that I think many of us had hoped for. So that was somebody talking about concerns about democracy, and that was what motivated him to vote. Is that something that's concerning you? Have you thought about that? Are you concerned about um, Republican control and what that might mean for democracy? Um, and are you concerned maybe about um, Democratic control and what that might mean for democracy? We do have um, another voter that we heard from who expressed similar sentiments to Rand that Randy expressed. Um, let's hear from her. Um, tell me your name and where you live. Libby Shannon. I live in Dunedin, Florida. And um, tell me about the first time you voted. Do you have any recollections Ooh. of that? Yes. Uh, the first time I voted, I was away at college, and so I got to vote absentee. Um, was a Florida voter from the very beginning, and I voted absentee most of my life. There are fewer opportunities I've had to vote in person than in, in from wherever I've been. And who did you vote for at that time? Can you so my first election was, uh, would have been November of 2002, and there was a gubernatorial race that year. There was, uh, I'm trying to think who else, what else there would, there would have been, of course, congressional races. What's motivating you to vote this year? I would say, I, I don't miss an election. Um, I don't miss a primary, I don't miss a midterm, I don't miss a presidential election. This year, I feel particularly compelled to work on electioning and, and this campaign to get out the vote because things have just gone bananas. I'm a fourth generation Floridian and I feel like my state has been taken away from me. Um, I feel like when we're in the business of banning books and telling teachers whether or not they can talk about their families and children whether or not they can talk about their families, if we're gonna be in the business of, um, of making sure that, of, of firing elected officials because they're not gonna prosecute asinine laws and telling women what they can do with their bodies, not only is it time to vote, it's time to make sure that our friends vote and our relatives vote and our cousins vote and our neighbors are engaged. And I feel as engaged this year as I have ever been because it's, it's just too important. It's interesting because it's a midterm and you're feeling super engaged mm -hmm. as opposed to um, a presidential Decisions year. are made at home. And one of the things that Republicans have historically been really good at is county commissions and school boards and city councils. And, you know, I want a revolution too, but unless we start that in our local elections, then a presidential election, a, a, even a senatorial election, it's just too hard to fight against systems in place. But we can elect county commissioners and we can elect school board members and we can elect city council people who are ready to do the good and hard work of working for the environment and working for children and working for women. And that trickles up. We know trickle down doesn't work, but trickle up does. And that, that was um, Libby Shannon talking about um, what motivated her to vote this year. And one of the things, two of the things that I thought were very interesting about her comments, one is that a midterm election. We're in a midterm right now, but it was a midterm election that was the first time she voted, and she remembers that well. Um, and also talking about the importance of local elections, how important it is to fill those local seats with people whose beliefs that you support, because that's the pipeline. And um, she mentioned the school boards, and there is a real, um, in Hillsborough County anyway, there's no um, school board. We, we 
covered school board elections yes. in the primary. But um, those are local races are really important. That sets the stage for our future um, and what our state and national lawmakers might be. It's also interesting to me, Janet, that oh, as we talked to uh, a lot of these voters in the last few weeks, I, I saw a divide there in, in ages. I, I, I find that the older uh, voters, particularly Democrats, are very motivated and concerned about what they see as threats to democracy, uh, whereas younger voters, uh, perhaps represented by the uh, presidents of the young Democrats and young Republicans who I got a chance to speak to at the recent Tiger Bay Club meeting, neither one of them saw that as an issue that was motivating voters. Right. They said it was the economy, uh, the price of gas, the price of food, all of that. Although they acknowledge that it's important, uh, they just don't see that as something that's motivating them. And I'm, I'm curious if our listeners today, are they being motivated by what they consider threats to democracy or are they motivated by uh, gas prices or, or something else? What is so? What's motivating you? Is it is it democracy? Is it the fear of Republican control? Is it the economy? Is it abortion? Are you an issues voter? We've got um, a text message from someone who tells us her first vote was um, in November of 1970. Because I I don't know if it's a man or a woman. It's anonymous, but um, this person's first vote was November 1970, and it was in a midterm as an 18 year old. Um, my so, first vote was 1976, uh, and I, that shows how old I am, and uh, voted for Jimmy Carter, and uh, I got a chance to meet him before that, and so I'll never forget that. So. And I still have the Time magazine from 1976 when Jimmy Carter was elected, and um, he was on the cover of the magazine, so I still have that magazine in my little treasure box in the garage. But I'm um, also curious, Janet, you know, right now we're seeing pretty low turnout uh, among Democrats, uh, at least compared to the Republican turnout. Uh, we even have uh, Anthony Pettisini, who is a, uh, a quite well-known and somewhat notorious Republican uh, consultant uh, in the Tampa Bay area who is tweeting out that uh, given today's turnout uh, or the election season turnout that we're seeing, Hillsborough is uh, on the edge of becoming a Republican county, and it's been a Democratic county for years. He's basing that on turnout because, you know, it's all about turnout, right? It's all about turnout. Um, we have um, a, a text message from Bubba who says, I'm tired of spineless Republicans who won't stand up to Trump. Vote the GOP cowards out. So um, interesting, Bubba. And as um, Tom mentioned, we've got a lot of Republicans that are motivated to vote. Um, and we heard from Randy, our opening voter, who talked about voting for Obama, being inspired to vote, vote for Obama. And we heard from quite a few people who were inspired to vote for Obama. But Republicans right now, I think, are really fired up about Trump. They're fired up about DeSantis. And let's hear from, um, this is um, a, a voter who told us what's motivating her to vote um, this year. Um, and I think you'll be surprised to hear what she has to say. My name is Roseanne Clemente, and I'm an environmental scientist. What's motivating me to vote this year is to turn around this country in the direction that we're going on this misguided tour of climate change and fossil fuels. I honestly can't remember the first time I voted. It's 51 years ago. I think the most memorable and significant vote that I ever cast was voting for Donald Trump. 
So that is Roseanne Clementi, who, full disclosure, is one of my moms. And she says that the most significant and impactful vote she cast was for Donald Trump. And love him or hate him, I would say that it was a, we'll go down in history as a very significant presidency, whether it was um, even in a negative way. Negative or positive. Uh, Definitely. Well, we saw the, in the 2020 election, uh, the highest voter turnout that we had seen in more than a century. Now, some of that could be related to the fact that because of the pandemic, a lot of states made it easier for people to vote. And so more people took advantage. Uh, now, do you think it's easy to vote in Florida? Have you had a hard time voting? We'd like to hear from you. I'm really curious uh, why Democrats aren't voting. If you're a Democrat out there, and you haven't voted, please call us at 813-239-9663. Thank you. And uh, let us know, why aren't you voting? And and just so you know, um, uh, here's an 11 o'clock update on turnout. And I'm getting this, by the way, from a website called Fresh Take Florida. If you want to check it out, Google that or look at it on Twitter. They are giving hourly updates on turnout. And right now, there is a 603,000 lead by Republicans over Democrats statewide. And in Hillsborough, remember, a Democratic county, 6,400 Republican lead. And Miami-Dade, always a foundation for Democrats to win elections in Florida. There is a 9,200 Republican lead over Democrats. So tell us if there are Democrats out there listening. Why aren't you voting this year? If you're a Democrat and you're not voting this year, let us know. Give us a call, 813-239-9663. We've got Chris from Clearwater on the line. Chris, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Chris, are you there? I am now. Yeah, now I heard the cue in. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, the economy is the biggest issue to me, and I think most people, if they can't nourish themselves or house themselves, um, you know, during the pandemic that uh, if you want to look up that word there's a great documentary on it um, one part one and two part three coming out soon but uh, if you want to understand the context you know why were the multinational corporate big box retail stores allowed to stay open and the strip clubs and alcohol stores allowed to stay open while small businesses were closed and and uh, you know and Chris says that he's going to do for Florida what Biden has done for the country um, there's the hundred person vaccine mandate, uh, 100-person business, you know, if a business had over 100 people, then they were, Biden wanted to mandate them to get a COVID shot, an experimental shot, without any live, with liability protection for the multinational well, so Chris, let me ask, companies. Let me ask you a question, Chris. The, um, you were said you were motivated to vote this year by the economy. Do you recall the first time you voted? I do. It was 92. 92. Yes. And, um, oh, wow. Okay. And who did you vote for? Or if you don't mind telling me, you don't have to, but. Well, I voted for Perot. I've always been independent. And I think that both parties are, when I try to talk to the majority of both of them, they have so much dirt on both of them. They don't seem to want to talk to me. It's like, uh, first they want to harass me into being part of their gang. And I tell them, no, it's too obscene. I don't want part of either one. That's why I can criticize both of you, and perhaps that's why you're afraid of... So are you independent or no party affiliation, Chris? Because I'm pricking their conscience, I guess. Yeah. Are you independent or no party affiliation? No, no party, yeah. Yeah. uh, 
independent. So um, you're among one of the growing um, uh, groups of voters out there. So, um, all right, Chris, thanks for the call. Appreciate well, it very much. Look, look at what happened with New York City. They had the, Chris, thanks for the call. Appreciate yeah. your call and participating. Um, we've got Jerry and St. Pete. Jerry and St. Pete, you're on the line. What's on your I, mind? Um, I am voting and, and I am an independent. And um, But I did want to put the question out there or the comment that it might be just having a person candidate with charisma, whether right or wrong, like powerful speakers. Right. And um, I think that's one of the things that I see differentiated. And then the other thing would be I'm kind of ready for another party. I'm not, I think, I, I often think of the two-party system not functioning very, very well, like A or B, maybe a C. <laughs> right. Well, that's what you, you're right. I mean, and that is why um, the, there's now 30 percent, I believe, of the voters in Florida are registered as no party affiliation. Um, yeah, so it, I'm one of them. Oh, yeah. Independent. Yeah. You, so, so you're an NPA. Can you tell me why you're an NPA? You, you just I mean, do you lean Democrat or Republican? Well, or? I just I just fundamentally don't think that the two party system is is significantly operational. I think I just fundamentally believe that. I, I don't have a lot of statistics to back that up, but I think there should be at least one more party for whatever I, reason. And I, I'm, I, Have you always been uh, registered as an NPA, or is this a fairly new uh, decision you made? It's always, pretty much always, yeah. but uh, yeah. Pretty it's much interesting, always, to. Um, the reason I'm asking that is because... Um, I can't make up my mind. Yeah, We've seen a, a, a big increase in, in uh, voters registering uh, as no party. And, uh, in, in fact, in Hillsborough County right now, we have about 2,000 more NPAs than we do registered Republicans. And, and I've been curious whether the, yeah. the, that increase that we have seen has been Republicans abandoning their party or Democrats abandoning theirs, or it's simply just like, you're, like you, you just can't choose between the two of them. Yeah, or, or you don't want to choose or you don't think that it will be significantly different. Yeah. You yeah. know, you don't think it will be significantly different ultimately. Now, I, I will yeah, say yeah. one of the downsides of an approach like that is you don't get to vote in primaries. And so your vote is right. not heard. And as a result of that, I, one result, I think, is you end up with more extreme candidates. Do you know why that is? Tell me. No, I don't. I'm not oh, you don't? Okay. <laughs> no. Well, it's because the moderates aren't voting. Only because, the extremes yes. are voting in right. the primary. That's right. the problem. No, but, but we're not allowed to vote. Right. Yes, and exactly. Why, why is that? Well, it's because, the let's face it, the two parties control the system. Right. And they... They, they don't do. want to... Once it. you have I power, you don't want to give it up. But and, there is talk of open primaries. Yes. Doing that so that everybody yeah. can vote in the primaries. I'm going to let somebody else go and take your comments offline. Okay, okay. thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you for the show. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks we for do your have call. David Jolly, a former Republican uh, uh, congressman who is, uh, uh, doesn't like either party, and he is trying to start a third party. And as I said, part of the problem with that is getting traction for a third party is the laws that we have that make it more difficult. Okay, we've got Karen on the line. Karen um, is on the line. What's on your mind? Hey, I, you know, I consider myself a no party, but because of our closed primaries, I, and they've made it, I used to flip back and forth all the time. I would, I would, but now it's, they've made it so difficult. Um, I'm just staying Democrat, but I don't, I, in my heart, I don't feel that we should have these two parties anymore. My, my son, he's 27. He's hopeful. 
that there is going to be a third party in his lifetime, but I don't see it because there's so many of us that, oh, if I vote for that third party candidate, we could end up with Donald Trump again. You know what I mean? Right. We're someone of that nature. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just hoping that Luna doesn't win and that we keep the house. Karen, do you remember the first time you voted? No. And do you, um, was there, can you recall a significant voting experience that you had? Uh, I've always just, I, I mean, I used to work the polls, ah. um, and that was very, and then I did in after COVID. Um, that, that was very moving for me is, is because I, I worked the polls and I saw the checks and balances. There was no way that there was election fraud going on, at least in the precinct. And then I had to drop off the ballot, you know. So to me, it's just a false claim. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service in that regard. And thanks for the call, Karen. We appreciate it. Um, We had um, Randy um, uh, told us that one of the things that inspired him was um, Barack Obama. And then Roseanne told us one of the things that inspired her was Donald Trump. Um, We spoke to three different people um, who are in their um, early 80s who said they most recall that um, they could not vote for John F. Kennedy. They were too young to vote for John F. Kennedy. And they remember when he ran for office and could not vote for him. Um, Let's hear from one of those voters. Your name and your age and where do you live? My name is Joy Tapper. I'm 82 years old and I live on Bayshore Boulevard in Tampa, Florida. And are you a a regular voter? I have never missed a vote since I was old enough to vote. And what's motivating you to vote this year? Uh, The political climate. Candidly, I would like to vote every Republican out of office. (laughs) So that's what motivates me to vote. And everyone else should do the same thing. So there you go. That was Joy Tapper. Also, my other mother saying that she, um, quite opposite from Roseanne, um, is uh, would like to vote all Republicans out of office. Um, and she was encouraging others to do the same. Um, we have another call. Um, we've got um, a Bussy, I think, and, and uh, Zephyr Hills, who's on the line. And if you want to call and tell us about what's motivating you to vote this year, what motivated you to vote, or about a meaningful voting experience in your life, give us a call, 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three, or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. Um, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Yes, hi. Uh, this is uh, uh, Mr. Bussey. I'm, I live in Zephyr Hills, Florida here. I'm a registered Democrat. I uh, walk my mail-in vote uh, um, uh, paper into the uh, uh, supervisor election up there in Dade City near, nearby here because I was late getting it to the mail. Uh, I know something. Uh, I did not get one Democratic brochure in the mail, and I'm very curious about that. I usually get something, huh. and I got a uh, I got uh, Al, what's his name for uh, the school thing, and I got the the, the penny, you know, the penny. Uh, uh, penny for Polk. Action. Yeah, Penny for Polk kind of thing. And you're a registered Democrat, right? I'm a registered Penny for Pasco, actually. 1971. Voted every year. 
Huh. That it's, is unusual. That it you is unusual. And honestly, I would have to say that I thought there were fewer mailers this year than there have been in the past. Um, thanks for the call. We really appreciate it. Um, we've got a couple emails I want to read. We've got um, Bob Pope Jr. who says there's a third party ready to go, the Green Party. We just need candidates. Um, and then Peter says, I was always an NPA until Trump. I registered as a Democrat just to vote for Sanders. I didn't think the Republican Party would ever support Trump, and I thought he would run as an independent. Trump versus Sanders versus some other unqualified Republican would have been a show that Sanders would likely have won. Now being a registered Democrat is irrelevant to me since I vote independently anyway. So we also heard from a couple of voters um, when Tom and I were talking to folks about switching parties, that they had been um, one party and then they switched. Let's hear from one of those people right now. Or not just switching parties, but also um, voting a split ticket, but then changing their mind. So split tickets or switching parties. My name is Rex Henderson. I live in Tampa in the Forest Hills neighborhood. The first time I voted was in 1972. And I was on an overseas study program in Germany at the time. So voting was a big deal. We had to go to the consulate to cast the ballot. And so there was a choice between Richard Nixon and George McGovern. And of course I was, let's see, 20 years old at the time and very liberal so i i voted for mcgovern and was very disappointed that that creepy richard nixon who was sending all of our all of my friends to vietnam got reelected. and um what motivated you to vote this year i always vote i've never i haven't skipped um, um any major election that i can remember since 1972. so um Although my voting patterns have changed over the years. I used to be kind of a split ticket voter, but I'm not anymore. You're voting all Democrat? I'm voting all Democrat this year. Not so much because I agree with everything every Democrat says, but because the Republican Party has com run completely off the rails. So that was somebody who was in the past a split ticket voter and now is... Um, voting party line for the Democrats. Democrat. And we've got, um, let's hear from another voter who said, um, express some similar sentiments. All right, tell me your name and where you live. J.C. Pritchett II, St. Petersburg, Florida. Tell me about the first time you voted. The first time I voted was 1988. It was for George Bush Sr. It was when Republicans and Democrats had disputes on policy and issues, but then shook hands and had a drink or played golf afterwards. And so George Bush was a, a gentleman who visited this area, had a chance to meet him. I was working for Dottie Ruggles at the Supervisor of Elections Office, and that was the first time I voted. Wow, interesting. And uh, seems like a long time ago when Democrats and Republicans got together. Yeah, that was um, And what's motivating you to vote this year? Well, now we live in a, a place where people deny the election results. They don't want people waiting hours to vote to get food or drink while waiting in the heat to vote. Uh, early voting is being eliminated. Polling places are being eliminated. John Lewis Voting Rights Act has not passed. And the big lie in January 6th is uh, a part of the chipping away of uh, this right that we have. This is what happened in our country after uh, the Reconstruction. Uh, blacks made gains in 
being elected to Congress, into the Senate. There are banks, there are schools and universities started. And then because of that black excellence and that success after the Civil War, lynching and violence and policies and Jim Crow were created to keep African-Americans down. And so that's why this vote is important to me this time and the next time and the time after that. That's J.C. Pritchett dropping some knowledge. And J.C. is a great guy. He is the president of the Suncoast Tiger Bay Club. And he really knows his stuff. And it's interesting, Janet, he's talking about basically voter suppression. And we have this year, uh, the legislature and the governor has approved a basically a new police agency to go after voter fraud. And the first thing they did was to arrest 29 felons who they said should not have voted. Most of them were black. One of them was arrested and then got a new voting card. And that is the result of reporting by Lawrence, Lawrence Mower of the um, Tampa Bay Times, whose story is in the paper today. And we have Lawrence on the line right now to talk about that story. Lawrence, are you there? Yep. Thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, Lawrence, tell us about this. This is uh, I, I tweeted that this is Kafka-esque, that you have someone who was actually arrested for voting— even though he said he thought he was okay to vote, he had been given a voter registration card, and so he voted. Then he gets arrested and then gets another voting card in the mail. How does this happen? Does this reflect some sort of uh, uh, entrapment, or is this just a broken system that we have in Florida? Well, it certainly raises questions about the state's competence here in removing voters. So the Secretary of State, which reports to DeSantis, the governor, is responsible for, under state law, for finding ineligible voters and removing them from the rolls. The county supervisors have some role in this, too, but it's really on the state to do this. And the state is the one who arrested these 20 people. Um, these 20 people should not be voting. That's not in dispute here. All these people have either uh, felony murders, uh, or, excuse me, murders on their records or felony sex offenses on the record, these people are not allowed to vote unless they've gone to the clemency board and asked for their uh, rights to be restored, and these people have not done that. And so the question is, how were these people allowed to get... First of all, why were they allowed to sign up and register to vote anyway? The state does an initial check. They cleared these people, and these people were given voter ID cards, and they all voted in 2020. And since their arrest, there's now two people who are still on the rolls. Like you mentioned, there's one person who um, it's not clear if he registered to vote again or what, but he was issued a new voter ID card by Broward County in September, nearly a month after he was arrested for, for voting illegally and registering to vote illegally. Um, and then there's another woman, well, another one of the 20, is still on the rolls. And this appears to just be a complete oversight on the state's part um this woman she had been remarried and when she went to get a new driver's license um she re-registered to vote this was back in may and of course she was arrested in august and on her arrest affidavit you know you would think that they would have charged her for registering twice once in 2020 and again this year and they didn't which kind of begs the question 
why were, I mean, who's checking? I just did a simple search on, you know, to, you can look up anyone's voter registration status, basically, it's public record in Florida. I just went and checked for these 20 people, and these two were still on the rolls. And the question, of course, is, was anybody in the state actually doing that kind of basic check, too? Right. So um, it's there seems to be some finger pointing going on between local supervisors of election and the Secretary of State's office, which is, you know, obviously under the governor's office. Um, but it does seem uh, the election supervisors, I think, uh, in fact, the late Paul Antonori before he died, said that it was not their fault, that this was the Secretary of State's job. Do you have some clarification on that? Yeah, this is the way the process works, and it's pretty confusing. But you register to vote. The form goes to your local supervisor. They send that to the state, to the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State does a brief check. They basically make sure that you're not, your name is not Mickey Mouse or, uh, or, or some other you know, obviously fictitious name. And then they, uh, they approve that and send that down to tell the super, local supervisor, yes, this person can join the role. Okay. And then after that, the Secretary of State says they do this arduous check. They do frequent checks. You know, they, they compare the voter database with the Department of Corrections database and they look for, they cross reference looking for matches of people who might be ineligible. And in this case, and, Lawrence, not to interrupt, yeah. but they, they were convicted of crimes that should have prohibited them from being able to vote. Uh, so it doesn't seem like it's that difficult to determine that. And I say that because another part of the law says that you have to pay off all your fines, fees, and restitution. And I can tell you, having worked at the Hillsborough Clerk's Office, that's a really very difficult thing to determine, especially if you have crimes in multiple jurisdictions. And so the state still hasn't figured that part out either, right? How many felons no. are actually eligible to vote? No, they have no idea. They've invested very little resources into this. Um, the Secretary of State, the previous Secretary of State, Laura Lee, who's now running for Congress, um, she has actually made re she made requests in years past for more resources, for more people at the Secretary of State to basically check. They, they, they need more resources over there for pe for to actually find and remove these ineligible voters. So if you want, and DeSantis has yeah. never endorsed it. So to our, our listeners out there, if you want more secure elections, if you want to make sure the people who are voting are actually eligible, vote, you need to talk to your legislators about giving more money to the Secretary of State's office so they can get this figured out. And I do think, uh, Lawrence, as you said, it is about competence because it just seems that if they had a press conference announcing these 20 arrests, they should have at least removed those 20 people from the voter rolls. Seems pretty basic. Would have, would have been very basic. Thanks well, for the call, good Lawrence. Good job uh, dogging that down, uh, Lawrence, uh, and, and I hope you continue uh, to focus on this story. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for calling in. Um, we've got um, Ron from Lakeland on the line who wants to tell us about um, the first time he voted. Ron, tell us about the first time you voted. All right. It was 1976, and I believe I was going to vote for Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter in 1976. That was Tom's first yes, time he voted as well. Time. All right. Thanks so, for... Go yeah. ahead. My, uh, my brother was away at college, and we were all up in arms about draft numbers and lotteries, and that whole thing was really kicking at that time. So here's my mom. She collects me. <laughs> I'm, I'm 20. I missed, I didn't vote when I was 18, so mea culpa there. I, I missed my first time. So we're going to the polling place. It's my elementary school, just a tony little suburb of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and we're walking up to the voting area, 
And there are these politicians, these people who are running for office. They're greeting you and shaking your hands. And they're illegally, you know, they're in a legal distance away from the poll. But this one guy walks up to my mom and says, Hi, I'm Sam Ewing. I'm running for Pennsylvania State Legislature. Give me your vote. And she looks him dead in the eye and says, Why, you SOB? <laughs> so you can vote yourself another raise? <laughs> feisty this mom. You got a feisty mom, Ron. Yeah, she, we, we had her another year after that, and I miss her every day. But she was a great inspiration to me, and I take her heart into every voting booth, even when I sit at my kitchen table. To That's great to house. hear. That is a good story, Ron. Thanks, Thanks for Ron. the call. And it, it, interesting, right. we heard from quite a few people who talked about um, their families and how in their families it was ingrained in them that they should vote. So it is something that, you know, it's important to teach your kids. Yeah, And, and again, I've, one of my most significant voting experiences I'll never forget is watching my daughter at the voting booth, booth for the first time. And I used to take her with me when I voted when I, she was little. I would take her with me as a little kid when I was on my way into work, taking her to daycare. She would go with me. Um, we've got... Um, uh, JB on the line. JB from Lakeland, you're on the line. Um, what's on your mind? Well, I'm listening to the radio station here, and of course, like I listen to the news every day. And what I see now at myself, as I'm a young 70, very young and active for my age, but I think it's sad the way the country has turned. We have politicians, and I don't really call them politicians, and it seems like that we used to say the far right, we used to say the Trumpers, but it seems like the Republican Party now, anyone can run if they're willing to tell lies and they're willing to be mean, and it's become a moneymaker. The more lies you tell, the, the more extreme you are, you're going to get voted in. And this is sad. This is sad for America. It is a lot of bullying, there's a lot of yeah. bullying, and it rem it's just kind of a will to power kind of thing where but, the meanest guy or gal or whomever yeah. it is wins. And, and the problem is, is that I myself, as a veteran, and, and working with the veterans, um, and I've talked to other veterans about this, as they think it's funny. They like it. And there's nothing funny about this. Even kids have got to the norm now where they think it's funny to be a bully. We see more of this. Mm -hmm. And they're picking it up from their parents. They see their parents outrageous speaking, and they've begun to act like this. Yeah. And then they wonder why we see so much out here, and we see more and more violence, more and more hate speeches. This is not what America was built off of. Right. Uh, and JB is there was all, just um, over the weekend I think it was when um, Ted Cruz was in a victory parade mm -hmm. a sports parade oh, and I somebody know. threw a beer at him and Eric Sowell tweeted out this is not appropriate do not throw beers <laughs> at Ted Cruz or anything we really? can disagree we are not a, we are a country of voting right. not political violence it's, but it, it was the opposite response I think that you got from Republicans when Nancy Pelosi's husband was attacked yes oh yes oh yes that, that this is this is one thing you know. I've all, I've said for the last several years, as I've become a, a independent because I keep saying, Democrats, pull your straps up and let's get strong. And on the other side, the Republicans have got meaner and meaner and do whatever it takes. Yeah. 
But the violence of the people out there on that far right side has become unbelievable. Yeah. And they seem to have uh, no conscience of what they say or what they do. Well, JB, I appreciate your phone call very much. Yeah. Um, you, uh, thanks for calling in. We got other calls I want to get to, as well as okay. some emails. And um, you are yet another person who is, talks about being frustrated with both parties, which is another example of um, people uh, feeling that um, we, need, we need another party. Them. Neither yeah. speaks for them. We got an email from David Bryant, who says that he was surprised and disappointed. He hasn't seen any campaign ads on TV for Democrats on crucial down-ballot statewide races, such as Aramis Alaya for Attorney General or Adam Hattersley for CFO. And yeah, I would agree. Like I said, I think there was not as many ads as I've seen in the past. Um, and the Florida Supreme Court, they're on the ballot. You've got uh, five Supreme Court justices. You could vote them out of office if you wanted to, but they're not getting much attention either. Um, and this is an email from Gary Gibbons, who says, I've voted in every election since 1972. I'm so dismayed that Democratic turnout is down. If people can't see what is happening to our democracy and the trampling of civil rights and women's rights, I have grave concerns about our future, especially when you factor in the fact that we are no longer teaching history so that future generations can learn from mistakes of the past. Now we won't teach those mistakes. Gerrymandering has ruined our state. Paula Dockery, who was a Republican in the legislature for years, says that the most productive legislation, legislative session that she ever Ever participated in was back in the mid-1990s when the power in the legislature was split roughly 50-50 between the Republicans and the Democrats because they had to work together to get anything done. Now it's just about a power grab. How else can you explain anyone voting for Herschel Walker? Um, that's funny. And, um, you know, Gary mentions about um, the factor in that we're no longer teaching history, and it is, we've talked about that before on this show, about um, the lack of education and not teaching people about history and critical thinking skills. Um, and, you know, it's easier to control an ignorant electorate. So, um, uh, that is, I think, part of the strategy, honestly. We've got... Um, Clay on the line from Alanda Lakes, who wants to talk about the first time he voted. What's on your yeah. mind, Clay? Tell us the Good story. Salutation. I want to first say that I agree with the last three, uh, with your last caller and the, the email to that. Um, I've been a lifelong Democrat. I was actually uh, in high school in 1973, and they allowed us to register to vote before we were able to. So my first vote was a midterm in 1974, and I. I registered as a Democrat, and I voted down ticket the whole way. Democrat. Uh, I didn't know any better back then, but <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know how to look at it. I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, so I voted for a Democratic candidate. Um, and that was a hard choice to make because one parent was a Republican and one parent was a Democrat. Yeah. Although, although my father registered as a Republican tended to vote as a Democrat all the time anyway. Yeah, and uh, uh, interesting that you talk about that because, again, a lot of the people that we talked to talked about conversations around the dinner table and conversations they had with their family and maybe heated conversations that they had with their parents. But but whatever those conversations were, it fired them up and made them uh, regular voters, committed voters. So I just want to say one thing about the Democratic Party, and I've been saying it for uh, the last 10 years. I didn't leave the party, although I probably should have, just like a vote in the primaries, but the parties left me. And this their failure to perform in this most important election is just it's devastating. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. There's more Democrats than than there are Republicans in the state. And independents, by the way, are either a former Democrat or a former Republican uh MPAs. They got sick of their parties and they didn't want to have affiliation with them. But um to have such a poor turnout 
in when there's so much at stake is just sad. It's, that's the hardest thing about what's going on in this particular election. But you can't win unless you vote, right, Clay? Uh, I'm sorry? You can't win unless you vote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you can't. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing is you shouldn't talk about it. Uh, when, I, when I find out, I ask people whether they voted, and I'm on my I voted button. And if they want to talk about politics or anything and they haven't voted, I don't know how to talk to them about it. Forget it. You didn't, you didn't exercise your right. You got no right to talk. But I do wonder how many people really recognize how much is at stake, you know, in this midterm election. People are more, I think, engaged, obviously, when it's a, when it's a presidential. But there's I so much at stake here with this, with the Secretary of State's offices and our legislatures and so many things that really can um, change the course of American government. I, I don't know how they wouldn't know that unless they're just not paying attention. How do you not pay attention? I mean, for God's sake. Uh, well, you know, we've talked to people who are tuning out because they can't stand the, the, the tone of the discourse. They don't want to pay it. They're not paying attention anymore because it's so unpleasant. Still, still, it's your responsibility to edify yourself about what's going on so you can make informed decisions and know when you have to do it. Yeah. Now, you can't, you can't, you're not going to be able to undo this. We're going to lose our state to a bunch of Republicans. We're, we're in terrible trouble. Yeah, Clay, thanks for the phone call. Um, Peace be upon you both and have a wonderful day and thank you for the show. Thank thanks for you. Calling. We've heard from, a, we did talk to a couple voters who talked about duty and the responsibility as a citizen to vote and we'll play some of those clips. But first, let's talk to William in Land of Lakes. William um, in Land of Lakes, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Thank you so much for talking to me. I grew up in the Midwest. I'm 75 years old. My mother and father were a different political parties, so we never talked about any politics at home. So as I grew up and I went into the military, I had to make my own mind up, and I started realizing that the politicians on both sides seemed to be looking out for themselves more than they looked out for the citizens of our country. So eventually I became an independent, and now I try to vote the platform, which is so hard to discover these days. So I'm wondering why we can't get a third party in the United States. I think it would be a big improvement. Thanks for the call, William. We appreciate it. Um, and, you know, the main reason I think that we can't get a third party is because the two parties are so entrenched and they make it impossible to get a third party um, in place uh, to have any any sway is what one of the is the problem that we have. Um, so we did hear from a couple people who talked about um, a duty to vote. So let's play a couple um, clips on other folks who said that. And if you want to give us a call and tell us about what motivated you to vote this year, what's motivating you, what's not making you, making you to vote, what's keeping you home, or tell us about a significant voting experience that you had, give us a call, 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. Um, but let's hear from somebody who talked to us about um, her views on voting. My name is Stephanie Pointer. I'm over 50, and I live in South Tampa near McDill Air Force Base. As a, as a U.S. history teacher, I always taught kids how important it was to vote because you can't complain if you don't vote. And so bottom line is um, this year I'm going to be voting because um, I want insurance reform and I want um, our transportation taxes to start getting transportation out there for everyone, not just the affluence. And do you remember the first time you voted or an early voting experience for yourself? I think probably the first time I remember actually voting that my mother insisted that I vote. So um, she would have taken me because she was pretty much um, ballistic about it. That was right. a, a big thing for her. My name is Stephanie. 
My name is Kim Drogi, and I'm 66 years of age, and I live in Sun City Center, Florida. And are you a regular voter? Do you vote in every election? I vote in every election. And what's motivating you to vote uh, this year? Well, actually, I'm motivated to vote in every single election, in every year, since I was old enough to start voting. And that includes when I lived overseas, which I have on several occasions, and had to arrange to get ballots overseas so that I could vote. Because what motivates me all the time to vote is the fact that so many people across this globe, across this planet, have died, have sacrificed for the right to cast a vote. And I believe it is not only, uh, it's our constitutional right, but it is also a sacred honor to vote. And I also believe if you are not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. And as I tell people all the time that do not want to pick a party, um, you can't change anything from the outside. You can only change it from the inside. And so to be involved, to care about your country, uh, to honor those that have sacrificed to give this right to you, um, where so many people across the world are denied, I don't need any other motivation than that. I feel it is my duty to vote. And can you tell me about... So she feels that it is her duty to vote. What is motivating you to vote? Why do you feel like you have a, a, a patriotic duty or a... a constitutional right or um, is there a, an issue that is prompting you to vote? We've got Cindy from Dunedin on the line. Cindy, what's hey. on your mind? Hey, you were asking who you voted for in the past that you liked the best. Mm -hmm. I voted for Jimmy Carter the second time. So I was only one of the million people in the U.S. that voted for him. Because <laughs> I thought what he did was so good and and I can't say what I think of the American public and that is <laughs> well, that, and Jimmy Carter certainly has been a, a wonderful ex-president. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and too, I think he was a good president. They just they looked at everything the wrong way. Um, well, Cindy, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Okay, take it easy. Um, and now we have Bob, who's calling. It looks like Bob is calling from Tennessee. Bob, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hi, um, I just a um, little bit irritated that. People don't understand that we already have a third party, the Green Party. The 10 key values of the Green Party are grassroots democracy, social justice, ecological wisdom, nonviolence, decentralization, community-based economics, feminism, diversity, responsibility, and future focus. Well, let's say we do. So we do have a third party, but and we have more than three parties we have lots of parties but they don't right, exactly. have any traction what's do you think what do you think the problem is well the green party is an established party they have candidates it's just people um you know because of the way uh, uh politics is funded um these people don't have a lot of money to invest in in their um campaign. So I think we're thinking left handed but and I think we're also afraid of, you know, the last two evils in Bob, we're we're you're kind of something's going on with the sound here. We can't hear you very well. Oh, okay. If you don't vote Yeah. People are afraid to vote third party because 
because they, um, they're afraid that the Lester Trudeau's is going to get in office. Right, and, and they're... That's the way, right. Yeah. That's what I've been voting for a while, but I voted Green Party for quite a few years. Yeah. But after attending some of the Green Party meetings, I felt like they needed more organization. And they just, they don't have enough good people in it either. So, I mean, everybody in the Green Party is a good person. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is we need more good people in the party to you know, raise it up and make it a viable party. Yeah. Um so that, that's that's what I wanted to get out there. That we do have a viable Green Party with ten key values that I think everybody can agree on. Yeah. Um, thanks for the call, thanks Bob. The call, Appreciate Bob. it very okay. much. Right. You, we got just a few minutes left, but if you want to give us a call and let us know um, what motivated you to the vote this year, um, or tell us about a meaningful voting experience that you've had, you can give us a call at eight one three two three nine nine six six three, or send us an email at DJ at WMNF.org. Have you voted today? What was the experience like? Did you have any problems or was it smooth? Um, You know, one thing that's interesting to note, Jeff Johnson, who's the president of AARP Florida, tweets that it's worth noting that the counties with the highest turnout at this point are the counties with the highest percentage of 50-plus voters. So if you're a young voter, the way to get your voice heard is to vote because politicians know that young voters tend not to vote. In 2020 election, the highest percentage of voters was those 65 and over. The lowest was those 18 to 24. Yeah, and we know that um, Bernie Sanders was actually, has been very concerned about the, the youth vote and getting young people out to vote, but it is um, not a lot of young people are out there voting. Um, so you're um, listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and we've been hearing from the voices of voters today um, on this last day of election season. Um, stay tuned for um, NPR headlines that are up next, um, followed by um, Harrison Nash um, playing some great music for you. We have lots of great uh, music on WMNF, uh, including uh, Cam Dilly on Fridays. All right. And the great Bob Seymour on Mondays. This is WMNF in Tampa. Tuesday is Election Day. Early in-person voting ended over the weekend, and it's too late to mail your mail ballot. If you still have a mail-in ballot, you can drop it off at your county's supervisor of elections office or take it with you to your assigned precinct on Election Day and exchange it for an in-person ballot. You can find more information about voting on our website, wmnf.org slash election. You can also find links to information about some of the lesser-known races on the ballot, like judges. We will carry Democracy Now!'s election night special beginning at 9 in the evening Tuesday on our HD3 channel, The Source. You can listen on an HD radio on WMNF.org, on the WMNF Community Radio app, or by telling your smart speaker to play WMNF's HD3. This is WMNF Tampa. 